Alright, what's up? This is JB and welcome to our third Theory 11 Roundtable discussion. Uh, this is when we take questions directly from you guys in the forums and we are going to answer them. Uh, we basically picked around five to ten questions for, for each of these and we are going to chat with a different artist or artists, uh, that's plural, um, each time we do this. Uh, tonight's guest is uh, Tom Isaacson. Tom, are you there? Can you hear me? I am. I'm here. Awesome. So we have Tom on the line, and we have been taking questions for the past two hours or so. Time now is around 9.30, so the last questions are coming in. And we wanted to go ahead and start going through these questions and getting you guys some answers. Any of the questions that are used tonight, I'll, I'll say the username. And if your question is used, I think we're giving away tonight a one-on-one -on -one of your choice for each of the people whose questions are used. Uh, Tom is uh, on his cell phone right now, so if it sounds uh, not great, that's why. It's not my recording equipment, which is amazing. Not it's really. It's an HP headset, not a Mac headset. Exactly. Apparently, Tom is a. I, I'm a Mac addict, but apparently, Tom is very uh, violent in his Mac addiction. So, anyway. Um, passive aggressive. Passive aggressive. That works too. Uh, okay. So I want to start right. going through the questions, and I'll go through these, and they're kind of no order. These are just the questions that that stood out to us as we we're going through these, and I'll get started right now. Um, All right, let's do it. First question is from Copperfield14. I'm pretty sure this is not David Copperfield. This might be his cousin, Jacob. Uh, I don't know. The question says, how did you get your first gig? What inspired you to get started in magic? Hmm, my first gig. Let's see. I was uh, in high school, probably like a lot of the members uh, on the forum are. Uh, let's see. I was a sophomore in high school, and I'd just been doing magic for a little under a year, and my mom was kind of into graphic design and stuff and we were just kind of around and she made me a business card for fun and that made me kind of think in some weird way that I was professional and I was ready to go perform so I had a, another friend that was kind of getting into magic and we walked around to some of the local restaurants and walked into one of the uh, lounges in Wellington it was called Michael's Pasta and I uh, dropped off my business card told the host there that if they wanted to have a magician I would come perform and do a night for free and didn't really think in much of it and then I got a phone call a few days later said they wanted to try me out and and I had no idea what I was doing I'd never worked before but it was just kind of one of those things I just threw myself into the fire and uh, kind of figured it out as I went but that was just kind of my first gig but it was a steady gig two nights a week on the weekends and kind of was uh, my first performing experience uh, in front of a lot of people and then I started getting a lot of calls for the private shows and stuff for the area around there. So, so I think what we learned yeah. from this answer is that the difference between a working professional and an amateur is a well-designed business card. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially the difference. If you want to know what's the difference between you know you and David, you don't have Cop to have any skill, but you just have to just to, to uh, pr pretend that you do. That's all. That's all it is. Exactly. The difference between <laughs> Binky the clown that works at Fazoli's and David Copperfield is Copperfield has the best business cards in the world, apparently. Um, and that's, Amazing. That's a, Just the website needs an update, but that's okay. Exactly. We'll let Chris know. Um, and, and a side question that was in this post as well was, what inspired you to get into magic? You said you had you started you know around that time, but was there something that you saw that inspired you to get into that, or was it just? Uh, uh, I think I, I think it was watching uh, David Blaine. Uh, I think it was maybe his first or second special that was on, and I'd never really seen uh, close up magic like that before, and it was kind of just around the time when he was starting to blow up and I remember thinking you know that that's not the magic that I've seen before that's cool that's just that's the ultimate universal tool to be able to do that anywhere anytime and uh, I think that, that was where the seed was planted but I don't think it was until like a year later that I actually uh, stopped by a magic store that was a 
close to me and then started really getting into it. But I guess I would have to say that Mr. Blaine planted the seed there for me. Right, right. Awesome. Uh, the next question is from Hijacked Magic, um, which sounds violent. The question says, who are your biggest influences in your life and specifically towards your magic? Hmm, in my life? And in your life. Your whole life. Life. That, that's kind of an epic question. I don't know if I'm prepared to give such a, uh, a serious response to that. Um, let's see. I, I do have a good family that has been very supportive of me that has been, you know, enabled me to uh, kind of do what I do and, and support me along the way. Um, just, just, me. just so people know, your dad is a uh, crazy pilot, and I've seen. No, he's a, he, yeah, well, he's a, he's a safe pilot. My friends are crazy pilots. Yes, um, he'd want he'd want <laughs> you to know. So, he's a safe pilot. Uh, <laughs> safe pilot among the crazy pilots. Um, so yes, yeah. um, so that's you know, aviation's kind of been a big part of my life, and it's, I don't know, probably equal of a passion as I have with magic as aviation, just because my dad's a pilot, and that's just. I guess kind of in my blood. I've, but, seen, um, I've seen all those pictures with heli- Tom and helicopters and like this random, you know, I don't even know. You sent, you sent me pictures of this. What was that huge helicopter that was in somewhere? And I don't know. I, uh, I think that was a UFO. That was our, our secret testing out at, at uh, Area 51. Absolutely. So, it was with an alien. But we're not we're not going to tell him about that. So good right. thing this don't worry. No, no one's listening to this. Don't worry. All right. Good. Good, good, good. Just between you and I. Um, is there any specific influences towards your magic that have propelled you in the magic industry, per se, you know, closer than, you know, just general encouragement from family and friends and such? Um, I I think I mentioned on my uh, artist bio, a uh, good, good friend, probably my best friend in magic, Dan Lasivita, who nobody knows, but he's uh, probably one of the more talented performers I know. He's just very engaging as a performer, but very articulate, very charismatic, and he's also very skilled with all the sleight of hand that he does. He's kind of been a, a big influence in just helping me kind of rethink and, and perform differently. Um, but I also learned a lot when I worked uh, for Bill Malone down at his uh, magic bar in Boca Raton, Florida, which was uh, a year-long experience of working for uh, six hours a night for some of the richest, snobbiest people that you can imagine uh, in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. So I learned a lot from Bill, and he definitely has a lot of uh, knowledge uh, that, uh, that I took from that experience. Um, speaking of performing experience, like with you know Malone's Magic Bar and everything, the next question uh, this comes from Daniel Cartas in uh, Colombia. He's asking in my post where I'm introing this week's contest. I, I don't know if you've read this yet, Tom. I've said something to the effect of Tom works more events than most performers I know. So uh, Dan is asking, how do we achieve this success, and how do we jump from a hobby state into uh, a business one when and how did you know it was the right time for you to getting started getting money or working with your magic and make magic a business right well it wasn't the kind of thing where I ever like intended hey I'm going to start doing this at a, at a, as a business I started when I was in high school so it was kind of you know most kids in high school working at the grocery store or, or busting tables or whatever I just was uh, fortunate enough to, to be able to, to make money doing magic um, so I wasn't necessarily looking or trying to expand but it just kind of kind of happened on its own organically and uh i started getting gigs from there but i would say the best the best way to, to start getting gigs and and uh the best way first and foremost uh, above all is just word of mouth it's just getting yourself in front of people performing for people you know you can advertise all you want and uh put flyers brochures all that stuff and sometimes it helps but nothing will sell you more than someone who's seen you 
you know, that their words and that's for what they've seen. Right. And, know, and that kind of, kind of talent. And there's so much you know, experience yeah. you can, you, so much experience you can get from performing in like a restaurant or, um, a gig like that. Like I remember when I was starting out, I performed in a T-Bones, you know, a weekly gig and I did one at Outback mm-hmm. Steakhouse. And like this, there's something to be said for performing for people of all ages, races, every type. Didn't, Just, didn't, didn't you, do the the thing where you dressed up as a mouse with Chuck E. Cheese and you did a manipulation act. I, I wasn't going to mention that, but of course I did the manipulation okay, of pizza. Um, next question is from Creeper. Uh, the question is actually a really good one. He's talking about gaining confidence and as a performer, and confidence in what you're performing, and just in general self confidence that to keep going. You know, motivation. So he's saying he's his question specifically says, "How do you gain confidence in magic? Do you have any tips or advice on how to not get discouraged when performing or even starting off and practicing?" Um. That is a good question, and that's something you, I think inevitably it's different for everybody because different people have different personality quirks and things like that. Um, I mean, the biggest thing that you get, gain confidence from uh, is experience and just getting in front of a lot of people and doing it over and over and uh, and not being afraid to fail. That's uh, the, uh, the most important part is just not being afraid to, to fail and just getting in front of the people and performing and you know you have to understand going into it inevitably you're going to mess up you're going to screw up but that's just part of the game you know you learn more learn more from sometimes when something goes wrong than than from going through a bunch of performances where nothing goes wrong because if if it's some kind of uh, hole or some kind of gap in the routine or something that you didn't see before you can use that and learn from that and that won't happen again yeah if it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger yeah exactly so you can use those little gaps and those trips along the way to find your weaknesses and and kind of overall, you know, build your defenses up around your, your routines and stuff and kind of solidify your whole act. Um, other so, qu- I think next, I answered all that there. Yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. I was going to move to the next question is specifically uh, on target with profit, which is the bill change effect exclusively at theory11.com. Check it out in the trick section. Only twenty four ninety five plus shipping and handling. Anyway. Um, <laughs> not a plug at all. That's totally, you know, Anyway, the question's from JJJP, which is uh, John James Jebediah, whatever Peter. his last name, Peter. Yeah, John, John James Jebediah Peter. I'm pretty sure that's his name. He's from the Windy City. I don't know. What, what city is the Windy City? Um, I would say Chicago. San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. <laughs> a whale, a windy whale. Anyways, yes. Anyone that's seen uh, Ron Burgundy. Um, the question is actually a very good one, and this brings up a good point. He asks, uh, does the denomination of the bills matter in multiple or a single bill change? Does a spectator react the same even if the denomination is lower? So he's basically asking, if you perform profit um, you know, with five ones changing into five $5 bills, have you as a performer noticed a significant difference in the reactions versus performing with five $100 bills you know, changing um, from five ones? Absolutely. Um, I used to do it uh, with hundreds, and then I switched for a while and did it with uh, tens. And my friends used to joke and call it tendy. Um, and I mean, it's it's still a great effect. It still get 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 uh, great reactions, but inevitably they're going to say, "Oh, can you change those to hundreds now?" Um, and it's like I said, it's still a solid, strong effect. But there's something uh, just more visually stunning and just jaw dropping about seeing five hundred dollars that wasn't there a second ago, um, and just that. The, the implications of having that uh, is very powerful, especially just in society and especially in the culture and stuff where I work a lot in Hollywood and Beverly Hills and around the celebrities and stuff. If you're carrying around $500, they perceive you differently 
rather than some kid who's got, you know, 50 bucks uh, for a trick in his pocket. It's a whole different perception. And it's just, I think um, it's, it's a more powerful plot. It's, it's you know, it's yeah. one thing to change five ones into five fives or five tens. Yeah. It's a whole other thing it's, to change it, something that's been relatively worthless is five ones. And people are like, oh, it's right. five ones. Changing that into, you know, the ultimate in bill changes, which would be five hundreds being there, especially with profit being an instant change. It's like there's, you know, it's, it's, it's instant, it's visual. There's pretty much nothing with bills as, as props you can get that's more powerful than that. Yep, absolutely. That uh, yeah, not much, not much else that you know you can do better than that if uh, you know if it's done correctly. So. Phil the magician asks, uh, "What is the best and worst reaction you received when you performed profit? Is there anything specific you can cite of a reaction you remember or a celebrity you performed this for or anything?" Um, I'm trying to remember. Let's see. We'll start worst and then go to best. What would be the worst reaction? The worst reaction. Um, There'd probably be no reaction. Well, worst reaction. I mean, I guess worst reaction would be with with if if uh, if, if it went wrong, maybe if something happened, which. I think it's, that's happened a few times, but uh, not specifically anything that, that I can recall that was that crazy. I mean, a lot of times people think, I mean, in their heads, that, oh, the, the bills are like chemically altered and they change in the heat and stuff. And, which which I don't know if, are, if everyone knows how this effect works. That is the method. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> great. Okay, so we got to cut that part out now. Absolutely. Earmuffs. Earmuffs. Um, <laughs> uh, so... So that would maybe that people just the effect doesn't sit right because they think they're trick bills even though you've done everything just because some people um, uh, think they know everything and they'll just build a false explanation on their mind and and I believe there's certain people you're gonna run into that are that are like that they'll completely concoct some ridiculous absurd answer and they'll they'll actually convince themselves that it's right um, but you know so that happens occasionally um, as far as best reaction. Um, I think we got pretty crazy reactions. It was actually a night at the Magic Castle, uh, and Katie Eggleton was there, and she uh, introduced me to Fergie, uh, you know, my lumps, my lumps Fergie, <laughs> and uh, Josh Dumel, and she had me do it for uh, for Fergie, and then Fergie had me do it for her dad, and then Fergie's mom, and then Fergie's sister, and then they were all just completely, completely shaking their head and tripping out, and I think they might have had a couple drinks, but I'm not sure. Um, so, but it was it was one of those times when I got to remind myself how how incredibly powerful it is if you do it right. And, uh, yeah, so that was cool. Uh, next question is more another one that's on the on the side of getting gigs and working and performing with your magic. It's from Ineski. Uh, I don't have a area where they're from, but the question is you do a lot of gigs. Can you share some tips on how you continue to market yourself or promote yourself as a working magician? How do you keep yourself in business? How do you keep yourself busy? Do you have a manager or agents or what? Um, okay, I live in California now. My parents are still in Connecticut, so I have a, an agent in Connecticut that books stuff for me occasionally. Um, and I also live in LA where I have a, you know, good, good group of magicians and a bunch of friends that we all kind of throw gigs back and forth to each other. So that helps out in the extra. As far as myself, I, I do a few different restaurant gigs, um, that I keep busy with, uh, on a regular basis, about four, four gigs a week. It's actually with the same restaurant. They just have four locations that I work at. Um, so that keeps me consistently working four shifts a week at the minimum, getting in front of people and consistently handing my card out and performing for people. Uh, and with that, it's just, you know, it's just word of mouth and a few other things. Um, we started uh, doing a promotion with the, with all the people on the email list for the restaurant, letting them know about the magic night. So 
you know, with the, the, the few thousand people that are on each restaurant's email list, you know, that gets my name out there to a good amount of people that if they're having a party, you know, it, it just kind of uh, sinks right in or fits right right in the, the spot for what they need. So, and I remember so. there was a part on the Profit DVD where you're talking about this, but just saying that, you know, I think you mentioned it was something like when you were developing Profit and streamlining this effect and as you as a performer working in front of all these restaurant and gigs and uh, every night and you know private parties you learn to streamline an effect and see what works and what doesn't you can very quickly see how to improve an effect or learn what works what doesn't work and really hone mm-hmm. an effect down very quickly just by performing a lot getting out there putting yourself on, out there and seeing what happens yeah yeah and that's definitely it, it's, it's so much different uh, performing in the real world for people versus performing like at home for your friends and family because a lot of times when we're performing for friends and family they'll they'll try and convince us that they're controlling the situation and they make the rules and it's one of those things that you need to learn how to, to, to control the situation and control control them to where they're not going to think that they can manipulate how it is you get to set the pace you get to call the shots that how, that's how it works and it's just you know learning to do that in that situation um, I uh I know there's a whole different dynamic when you're at a house when things are absolutely dead quiet and there's, you know, bright lights. It's just a whole, it's hard to explain what exactly is different about doing something at a house for your family versus being in a restaurant with all the ambience that goes with it and why it's so much easier to do stuff in that. Um, but it's, it's just a different thing. And I did a, a gig a few, uh, a couple weeks ago when it was a high school grad or a middle school graduation party. And um, it actually amazed me at how how crazy or how delusional a lot of these kids are and how disrespectful it is. So uh, so for a lot of the kids that just get discouraged from performing at middle school or high school, it's, um, I guess I guess it's a relief to uh, to let you know that and that's not like that in the real world. I mean, occasionally you run into just the tough people, but for the most part, when you're in a real performing situation, people want to see it and they want to enjoy it. They don't want to f- everything up like like people inherently are to do, you know, when, when you're in that school situation where they just want the attention. Right. And I think we have uh, the last question I think we have time for, because Tom has to actually run and go uh, work, <laughs> um, is a question from Squirrel, or actually it's it's S-Q and then exclamation point R-R-E-L. So it's like Squirrel. Squirrel. Uh, Squirrel. Yes, it's. I don't. I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce it. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, pro- I'm probably wrong. Um, the question is is a very good one. It says, when performing magic, do you try and get your audience to believe what you're doing is real, like trying to convince them that you can really can do magic, that you have supernatural powers, or do you let them know explicitly or implicitly that it's skill based, or perhaps you don't say anything at all and let them make their own conclusions? Um, that is a good question. When I first started working professionally, I kind of was was at a point where I wanted them to believe it was real um, and and I tried to sell that for a little bit but after a while I just realized that wasn't me that wasn't really what I wanted to do um, it was interesting to, to see if you could actually get people to believe it's real because there's a lot of people out there that, that really do think that and believe that um, but as of right now when I perform I, I kind of mostly just make very clear that it's entertainment I don't really let it be defined if it, you know, if it's magic or illusion, because people always ask, you know, what's the difference between a magician and an illusionist and this and that, and uh, um, so they always want to know different different things, they're always very curious as to what it is, but I just let them, you know, kind of make up their mind, or, you know, kind of decide what it is, but I don't, I don't ever claim that it's real, so I guess I would 
say that I leave it more undefined. Right. I think I, I think I agree with what you're saying. There was a, a media section video that we put up yesterday from Daniel Madison, kind of talking about the same thing. Of there's like a fine line between saying, you know, this is the magical. Uh, magic card and its name's Richard and Richard the magic card is going to go in the center of the deck and he's going to magically rise to the top and you know using some like crazy patter like that that just sounds uh, so childish that's just like over the top um, unbelievable so that it, it kind of like is distracting from what you're doing um, there's a fine line between that and you know you don't want to get too scientific of like watch how amazingly fast my hands work I am so much more right. better than you there's a fine line between you know being too straightforward but also then being too too far out there to a extent that uh, that like yeah exactly and, I, and I try to I try I try to stay away from effects that that kind of seem like like puzzles because most people laymen will approach a magic trick as if it were a puzzle but if you can kind of create an, an experience where the magic is sort of organic, where it goes in line with, with what's happening. It just makes the, the experience more natural versus, you know, them just looking for the pieces to put together to solve it. Um, so I try to stay, stay away from effects that, you know, that, that have that appearance that are just kind of overly methodical, that just don't really have a lot of motivated actions. I like to keep the magic as natural and real and, and most importantly as entertaining as I can and because it, it's the difference between ultimately. it's the difference between tricking and entertaining someone you know it's a difference it's yeah. a fine line there yeah and, it, and it's, it's also important to to understand that people you know are against you from from the start you know they're they're, they're working against you I guess magic is very unique in that sense that it's one of the few performing art forms where, where people are, are working against you, you know if it's comedy they they're going to try and find a way to make you, you know, or make make you think a joke is funny or, or, or whatever, you know, if they'll, they'll try and enjoy a song if they don't necessarily like it with magic, they're going to have to figure out how it's done. Um, so knowing that going into it, you have to be very, very careful that your character and your persona doesn't rub people the wrong way, that it doesn't insult them or, or you know, make you out to be a little more cocky or, or uh, showing off, you know, than you like them to because that's when people start to get that vibe that's when it's like okay I'm going to get this guy because no one no one likes to uh, you know to be fooled by a wise ass and then you know feel stupid about it right uh, you, you, you want to level with the audience to the extent where you're exactly. not talking down to them you want to level with them and as an entertainer yeah. to, to give them this experience that they're going to find memorable and miraculous and talk about for days and not about this you know this cocky guy that came up to them and said watch how awesome my hands are which is exactly. what I say when I meet yeah. people at bars and stuff. <laughs> you actually wear a shirt that says it, but, you know. Yes, but, yes. But sometimes you'll read it, too. That's so. Dana Hawking's yeah. best come online, so. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, was there any other questions? I think that is it. Um, I think that's that's all we're going to have time for for tonight, because I know your cell phone's about to die, and also you have yeah, a... about to die. And you've got a gig to get to in three minutes. Yes, um, so. I'm, I'm, yep, I have three minutes. I'm parked right outside and ready to run in and go uh, go do some magic. So I appreciate but, uh, the time, oops. and I think we're going to continue doing these uh, Theory 11 roundtable discussions. I think they're good. Yeah, there's a lot of good questions. Look forward to it and look forward to some of the, the uh, discussions on the forums afterwards. Awesome. Yeah, guys, this will be posted uh, momentarily. So this will be, if, well, I guess if you're listening to this, you've already found that it's posted. That doesn't really make any sense. But anyway, enjoy the podcast. We'll be doing more of these in the coming weeks. And I uh, look forward to speaking with everyone of you on the forum soon. Peace. Peace. Later. Peace.